Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Hello and welcome again to another episode of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. And I am Taylor of Terror. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say thanks for joining us again. (laughs) Um, You may notice that we sound a little better. We finally got... Yeah, we hopefully, uh, well, we got some new mics, so we're a proper podcast now. We do it big. We told you, 2014 <laughs> is our year. <laughs> Starting with mics. Um, speaking of, we mentioned last episode that there was going to be a few surprises coming in this new year. Mm-hmm. And one of them is actually going to be starting next week um, for episode 10 this is episode eight, so not in the next episode, but the one after. It's going to be listener's choice right. for our reviews. So starting uh, one week from when this episode airs, which this episode is going to air on the 22nd. So on January 29th, we will open the nomination process. We'll be posting on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. And you can either just reply to those, or there will be a form that I will send out, which will also be available on our website at graveplotpodcast.com, that you can fill out. And you can nominate any movie, as long as it's horror, and as long as it's not one we've already reviewed, and as long as it's something we can get our hands on. Yeah. It has to be either on VOD, DVD, or in theaters. Yeah, and a lot of, like, obscure, like, foreign things, they're a little hard to find, so... Indies are okay as long as it's not like, hey, me and my friends made this in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can send you a copy. <laughs> uh, not to say that we wouldn't review your movie, just not for this episode. So, and then nominations will last one week, and then on December 5th, we will announce the final nominees and let you vote. December 5th? February 5th. You said December. Your mom said December. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, so yeah um, get ready for that <laughs> uh, also I just want to make a quick announcement here that tomorrow after the day we're recording the Seattle Seahawks are going to the NFC Championship go Hawks <laughs> and frankly I just don't think they're going to be stopped can't stop won't stop go Hawks <laughs> thank you Taylor <laughs> Um, no, it's a good day to be from Seattle. So, and Macklemore is performing at halftime. Yeah, and he's kind of a more more of an international favorite now. Um, he's done us proud, though. Yes. Anyway, so we'll move on to some real business. Uh, we'll get into our new news section, which it's funny that you said business because as part of the continuing evolution of the Grave Plot Podcast. We have renamed the news and rumors section to horror business. Yes, we have. So let's get into it with horror business. All right. So first up... um, we mentioned last episode that uh, NBC was going to be doing a Rosemary's Baby new, uh, miniseries. I believe it was going to be something like 10 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. 
I don't uh, remember if we ever heard how many episodes. Really? I could have sworn we had mentioned something about it. Um, well, the big news is that uh, they've they've started announcing some uh, casting roles, or casting picks, I guess. Um, it's uh, Zoe Saldana will play Rosemary. Um, with, yeah, you might recognize her as uh, Uhura from the the new Star Trek movies. Um, she was also in um, Columbiana, and that's all that comes immediately to mind, but... Um, she's a good actress. She's real pretty. Um, it's, it's weird that, uh, not, not so much weird. I just guess she's, I believe she's a, maybe black and some kind of Latina of some sort. As opposed to Saldana sounds like, yeah, it would be some kind of Latina. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the, in the original Rosemary's Baby, uh, Mia Farrow, obviously, she's white, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, was probably more par for the course back in the 60s. Sure. Like, there's some roles where they, they'll cast, you know, an African-American person or something, and it's it just seems ridiculous. Yeah. like but sh- I, don't, I don't think that Rosemary is a character that is defined by race. No. Uh, I mean, I haven't read the original story, but I have to imagine that her being white or black or whatever, I I really doubt that was ever actually mentioned in the story itself. Sure. Um, So, as opposed to, you know, something like, you know, I was pretty upset when Samuel L. Jackson got got cast as Nick Fury in the Marvel movies. Um, As I was to say, he he was actually the 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 like the model they pulled from when they designed the Ultimate Universe, Nick Fury. So Nick Fury in the Ultimate Universe was actually black, actually looked like Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. But up to that point, he hadn't pulled any characters from the universe, uh, the Ultimate Universe. And so it's just like, it just felt like they were kind of shoehorning in um, a minority character, which seemed a little unnecessary to me. It seems to me, whenever they, they recast a, a, character that's been white throughout history and then recast him as a black person or any other minority it always seems to me like it's just shoehorned like it's um it's pandering yeah exactly and i mean (laughs) it, it it's like whenever you start out a sentence like i'm not blank but it's like not racist but but I'm about to say some of the racist shit you've ever yeah. heard. But honestly, a, a black role is fine with me. Like I have absolutely no issue with it. But it's when you take a character like you said that's been historically white, and suddenly it's like, okay, well, to reflect our new times, we're going to make him a minority now. It's silly. It's like when they were talking about um, casting Will Smith as Captain America. Yeah. And we all saw how work, how well it worked out when they cast him as Jim West. Yeah. So that was a. He, he actually apologized to Robert Conrad for that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right he should have. At least he knows. Yeah. Um, so this is this is pretty cool. Um, it seems odd to me that she would take what's obviously a very successful film career and transition into television. True. Um, that's kind of something 
somebody would do in kind of like the twilight years of their con- uh, it is a mini career. Series, though it's not going to be like an ongoing thing. That's true. That's true. Um, they could theoretically film it in the time it takes to film a movie. True. True. Um, but as far as we can tell, that's really all the casting news that's been that have been announced so far. Um, but uh, looking forward to it. And we will continue to update you on news about this in these years as it comes. Dollar bills. Man came by to hook up my cable TV. We settled in for the night, my baby and me. We switched round and round till half past dawn. There was 57 channels and nothing on. 57 channels and nothing on. 57 channels and nothing on. And speaking of horror movies becoming TV shows, uh, Rosemary's Maybe Rosemary's Baby is not the only one. Um, there's a few that we've actually talked about on the show, uh, but there's a total of eight that are currently a go. Um, Rosemary's Baby from Dust Till Dawn we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The Mist we talked about last episode. Yeah. Uh, Scream we actually talked about in episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wolfman we've talked about. And then there's an Exorcist TV show, um, a Legion TV show, and a TV show based on Life Force. Life Force. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that one. Um, put me on the spot. <laughs> I could say I'd edit this out, but I'm not, probably not going to. Uh, Life Force is... Toby Hooper's follow-up to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, okay. So it might predate us a little bit. Uh, 1985. Okay, so the year I was born to um, date myself. Uh, it's actually based on a 1976 novel. Okay. But the novel is called The Space Vampires. <laughs> okay. Um, well. And then also... Um, I've heard there's talk of a Constantine TV show, an American Psycho TV show has been rumored. So, um, I know that we, we said it a couple episodes ago that TV is like the new remake. Yeah. Although you said Constantine, uh, I actually hadn't heard that news, but I had heard that they were talking about doing essentially, I'm pretty sure it's just essentially going to be a reboot. Of the film series. Oh, really? Yeah, because... The the TV show is going to be based on the comic. It's going to completely ignore the movie. Right, right, right. Yeah, and that's what I heard they're essentially going to do with this this movie. Um, I mean, I I think it's really just an idea at this point. It hasn't gotten off the ground at all. Um, But, uh, yeah, they're going to pull pretty heavily from the comic book series itself. Because, you know... John Constantine, he's blonde, he's English, and also his partner that was played by Shia LaBeouf, he's actually, like, the character in the comics is actually a grandfather. (laughs) So. But Keanu Reeves can play anything. Yeah. I don't know if you know, but he's Asian in his new movie. (laughs) Well, he is, well, he's Hawaiian. Yeah. Well, the Hawaiian... Don't say close. Don't do it. Well, no, I was saying. No, I can see that look in your eye. You're, you're going to go there close. You trace the Hawaiian bloodline back several centuries. They came from Asia. <laughs> what do you want me to do? 
looking at this list, what would you say you're most excited about, and what would you say you're most disgusted about? Um, I'm going to have to say Rosemary's Baby. For excited? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the movie, and that that's a feat for me, or I guess you should say for a movie, because I don't typically do, like, artsy films like Rosemary's Baby kind of was. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I, I like Zoe Saldana um, as an actress. Um, that was a Roman Polanski movie, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Okay, yeah. That guy's fucking weird. <laughs> he is weird. And um, least or least excited or disgusted by, um, probably going to have to say Exorcist. I just really yeah, don't know. I'm, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to imagine that if they're going to do that show... That, I, I mean, well, f- spoiler alert, Father Marin and Father Damien are both dead. <laughs> so, right. I don't know, how, unless you basically retcon all of that and just start from scratch. I have a feeling it's going to be so far from the original canon that it's not going to be recognizable. Probably. They're just going to just use the name to make money. Yeah. Um. It, it's sad. I mean, because... Where, while The Exorcist is highly regarded as one of the most frightening horror movies to date, mm-hmm. um, one of the, you know just one of the best overall movies to date. I, I don't think I was effect, as affected by it. Um, maybe because I'm just kind of one of those jaded horror movie viewers that just seen so much so something like the exorcist doesn't really thrill me like it might a lot of people but it's a classic well, most piece people of that see it like later in life that are our age or younger it it just doesn't register the same way as it did in the 70s right um it's like we've discussed before just with all the the movie like the the torture porn movies um right. like saw and hostel and things like that People just get so desensitized. The only people that I've talked to that seem like really deeply affected by it are people that are very Catholic. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you talk to someone like my dad who was brought up Catholic. He went to Catholic grammar school. I mean, I, he didn't start public school till he went to high school. Um, and so even though he's kind of not, not denounced, but kind of backed away from his Catholic upbringing, um, he still is, he still tells me that, like, how much The Exorcist frightened him. And how it was just one of the most terrifying movies he'd ever seen. Yeah. Um. It definitely so, cuts to the core of a lot of religious beliefs. Definitely. And, you know, I, I'm sure the, the Catholic Church had their issues with it when it came out. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would say either that or Scream. I would be, most disappointed with and scream mostly just because it's on MTV. Yeah. Cause I saw what they did with Teen Wolf. Yeah. Try to, I tried to give that another chance cause it's, it's all on Netflix now. And then you cut yourself for yeah. allowing it, that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually cut myself. That's psychotic. Um, well, it, Kind of on a side note, did you see they finally released a trailer for from 
for uh, From Dust Till Dawn. I saw that. I haven't seen the trailer, but I did see that it was released. Okay. Um, there were vampires in it. I would hope so. <laughs> but the way... I don't know if it was just the way the trailer was made. The shots they chose to use in it. It looked kind of like vampires are kind of an undertone. Like it was just a... It is being billed as a supernatural crime drama. Right. For whatever that means. Well, I mean, just based on the the history of the Gecko Brothers, um, I might be able to imagine this being somewhat like um, like, like supernatural. Um, oh, the TV show Supernatural. Yes. Where they're just kind of... Obviously, they're they're bank robbers, you know, they're criminals, but maybe they kind of take up a, a career of monster hunting or, or something of that nature. Yeah, I suppose I can see that. Yeah, but anyway. We'll see. Next up, uh, in just kind of the ongoing disappointing saga of the Friday the 13th sequel. This is going to get heated, folks. The pretty... Tony's getting hot. <laughs> Executive producer Brad Fuller announced that he does not know if Derek Mears, who played Jason in the original, well, not the original, but the Friday the 13th remake, he does not know if Derek Mears will be back because, quote, I don't know if we're going to have Jason. What the fuck? <laughs> Did they learn nothing from Halloween 3? Apparently not. Well, in, in fairness, Halloween was actually supposed to be an anthology series. Yeah, but that shit the bed. Right. Everybody loved Michael Myers, and so they wanted Michael Myers back. And that's why Halloween turned into Michael Myers series. Exactly. But... Friday the 13th is about fucking Jason Voorhees. Is, was, and always should be. Yeah. I mean, you look back even into the first movie that did not even have Jason. Well, it did, but not in the actual story itself. Mm-hmm. It did not have Jason Voorhees, but he was a point of discussion. And when, before you discovered who the killer was, you suspected it may have been Jason. Spoiler alert. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you haven't seen a 35-year-old movie, then go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, but this is just another pile of shit on top of the Platinum Dune Mountain, you know? Yeah. Michael Bay, the fucking prick, likes to su- surround himself with other f- just fucking douchebags that like to just... <laughs> destroy a legacy it's like they take they take a story that somebody's familiar with something that's precious to them and they said oh well it's we own the rights to this so it's kind of like we created it so we can do whatever we want with it and it's almost like plan or uh, sorry uh paramount who just recently got the rights to probably 13th back from new line cinema it's, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's like they gave them fucking carte blanche to do whatever they want. And it's so infuriating. Sure Michael Bay 
buying up all these old properties. All Transformers, Ninja Turtles, Friday Thirteenth, mine now. Took it. <laughs> it's oh god, I I, just, I I can't even formulate a sentence. I'm just so fucking angry about this. And to to be fair, he hasn't said that Jason will not be in it. But the mere suggestion that he wouldn't be is insane. And this is just added on top of the fact that the uh, there's a possibility that it'll be in a found footage, footage movie. Yeah. He actually, he talked about that too. He said, it's something we're looking at. Yeah. I never know because it depends on the story and what the story is. It's been reported that's something we're looking into, but I can't tell you definitively that that's what the movie is. And he does acknowledge that it's a fucking stupid idea by saying, I'm well acquainted with some very loud members of the audience who hate found footage, and I understand that. But the way that he put it is so fucking condescending. Yeah. Some loud members of the audience. Yeah. Like like we're the vocal minority. Yeah, it's like the loud members of the audience. You mean every fucking... You mean the audience? Yeah. The, the, the people who pay to see these fucking movies? The people who created the... Friday the 13th legacy, the people who made it popular, and the ones who made it so you can make millions of dollars off of it? Are you fucking kidding me? And then the asshole goes on to say that, uh, he, he says, uh, I think for, for us it's more uh, about what the story, or what the story is. He, he goes on to say, I think it's, for us it's more about what the story is and what's the best way to tell it. And apparently, found footage is found footage is not even an option. No, yeah. for the best way to tell it. Like when we when we originally discussed this, what episode one, two? Yeah, it was early. We we talked about how found footage films are just a way to phone it in. Just keep your costs low because you can cast these no name actors. You can cast like one or two cam, or you can hire one or two cameramen. You don't have to have. Top of the line equipment. No. Because it's supposed to look. Yeah. I mean, yeah, feasibly you could carry around just a simple handy cam. Yeah. And film the entire fucking thing. Yeah. So. So for him to even like suggest the idea that that would, that they would be doing that because it's the best way to tell the story. It's like, don't fucking patronize me. I know why you're doing it. It's to save money. Not even to save money, but just to make more money. Yeah. Keep your overhead low so that your profits are higher. Mm-hmm. And... It, Suck my ass, Fuller. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we can't do anything but blame Michael fucking Bay. Of course. Piece of shit. God damn it. Okay. Let's move on. I'm fucking raging, man. Breathe. Let's put it behind us. Let's move on. All right. So the next thing we want to talk about is... The uh, British Board of Film Commission. I think it's that where it is. 
Sure. British Board of Film Classification, BBFC. Okay. Which is the uh, UK's version of the MPAA. So they're assholes. Basically. Okay. Um, they create all the ratings for movies. Mm-hmm. And apparently they are tightening down their guidelines when it comes to horror. Oh, good. Um, they, they want to give greater weight to the theme and tone of a movie. So, you know, that's kind of someone's point of view and someone's opinion, but... Um, wow. <laughs> their, their current rating <clears throat> system is they have U, which is universal, which is their version of G here in America. Mm-hmm. PG, which is obviously PG. What? Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> okay. And they have 12A and 12, which is similar to our PG-13. Basically, 12 is no one under 12 at all. 12A is under 12 with an adult. Okay. And so they have 15, which is no one under 15, which is similar to our R, but R is, R is uses 17. Mm-hmm. Um... And then 18, which is like our NC-17. And then they have R-18, which is porn. Oh, okay. So apparently they're, they're really focusing on this 12A, 12, and 15 level. Okay. And uh, they, they're paying particular attention to psychological impact, as well as strong visual detail and gore. Okay. This is so fucking stupid. <clears throat> I don't know how you can continue to tighten down regulations. I mean, they said they want to focus on uh, with this uh, psychological impact, strong visual detail, and gore. Okay. See, when you make a horror movie, for instance, it seems today that a lot of writers don't have the talent to make a really strong, good movie based on just their script. There has to be a lot of visual put into the movie to create a good one. And so when you do something like this and you eliminate a, a percentage of your audience, that means that those movies, that the quality of those movies are just going to go down because they're not going to be grossing as much. I feel, though, like, because they say they want to focus on the 12A, 12, and 15 level, and really, what do kids 12 through 15 know about horror? Not a goddamn thing. Exactly. So they don't they don't need to be seeing these movies anyways. Who the fuck cares? Well, I guess I mean, you know, who am I to comment on um what the the movie ratings board, whatever the hell they are. Um who am I to judge their rating scale? Well, they, but they um uh surveyed I think it was like ten thousand yeah, ten thousand people for this. Uh-huh. So this is apparently what the people want. Well, I, I mean, more power to him, I guess. But I, I, I do give him a lot of credit for actually going out and surveying people because I feel like MPA would not do that. They would just be like, "This is how we see it. So this is how we're going to do it." Yeah, done. Um, but what? I just this whole rating scale to separate twelve A and twelve—that's absurd. Why would you, why would you do that? I mean. For all its faults, I have to give credit to the MPAA for their rating scale. G, PG, PG-13, and R. That's as simple as I think you can make it. I mean, 
for them to have a PG rating and then 12A and a 12 rating, that's silly. Because you're basically, you're dividing PG and PG-13 here in America into three parts. Yeah. That's dumb. (laughs) But, I mean... What's what's interesting is it says that the most complained about movie was The Woman in Black. Really? Yeah. But, of the 10,000 people they surveyed, it received 89% support for its rating. Which it was rated 12A. Okay. And so that means basically nobody under 13. Well, they, they can go with an adult. Or, sorry, nobody under 12, but okay. See, PG-13 is, here in America, it's actually not as enforced as it probably should be. Because in PG-13 movies, you're actually allowed to use the word fuck once. Right. (laughs) Um, In PG, you can't. So, I almost feel like people should, other countries should just adopt this rating scale because you've got what is the equivalent of an R movie here in the UK. Somebody as young as 15 can see it unaccompanied. Here in America... You have to be at least 17. And I can, I can say from my own experience that you do get carded for those movies. But you know as well as I do that the Brits are a little more dignified than we are in America. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> they, they can watch it at 15, 16 and know better. They're stupid fucking people in America. Come on. Well, sh- there's stupid fucking people everywhere. Well, yes, but. I don't know. I mean, like I said, who am I to question their rating scale? That's obviously worked for them fairly well for so long, but I don't know. It's, it is what it is. I don't know. Okay. And I know I've been looking at the Google analytics and I know there's at least three people out there from the UK going to our website. So if you guys want to, Send us an email and explain the ratings to us a little better. By all means, please do. Yeah, I mean, we could use a outside perspective. But anyway. Next up, uh, so... There, there have been some s- small announcements. So they might be r- rumors at this point about the next season of American Horror Story. Um, we've seen some tr- some commercials or trailers, mm-hmm. and even a little bit of kind of rumor mill news about the well, next two like posters, right? Um, about the next. Next season of American Horror Story being called uh, Circus or Carnival. I've seen Carnival as well. Okay, well, I mean that either way that kind of Im- implies <laughs> what the theme might be. Right. Um, at this point, what we do know is that it will be a period piece. I mean, that came directly from Ryan Murphy's mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, as far as what period that means, we don't know. Um, he did say um, something like if. 
if you look at what happened in 1950, that will give you some clues or something, something along those lines. Okay. Um, and he said it, uh, will most like, or it'll probably take place in Europe. Um, just, right. well, the, the line that he said was Jessica Lang has already started practicing her German accent. Right, right, right. Um, and so you have to, well, I mean, I guess that doesn't exactly tell us where it'll be. That's true. She could just be a German character. Right. Um, I mean, we know... And it is American Horror Story. It's a good point. <laughs> so it's probably not in Europe. <laughs> now that we're, uh, now that we're talking about it. Um, and when we think about the circuses or carnivals of old, well, even nowadays, there's still a lot of foreigners in it. True. Be it, uh, acrobats or, you know, strongmen or, mm-hmm. or, um, well, the freak show, which is actually another thing because, uh, we know that, um, Ryan Murphy, the creator, he's actually a big fan of the 1930s movie, uh, Freaks, mm-hmm. which is based upon, um, a, a carnival's sideshow. Right. And it was actually the first movie to feature actual sideshow people. Right. As, as the actors in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a surprisingly good movie. I mean, older movies like that, they don't typically do anything for me, but it's not a bad movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily regard it as any kind of horror, which I think might, might give off that feel, but, um, no, it's a good movie. Hmm. Uh, but, so, at this point, like, like we said, we don't, all the all this advertisement that we've seen, don't know if it's real at yeah, all. Yeah, we don't really know where it's coming from. Yeah, um, I mean, even the the, the trailer that we've seen, there's maybe it was multiple trailers. I, I don't remember, but I've only seen one. Okay, well, to look at it, it could have very easily been fan made. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's no. Um, visuals of any actors right. or anything. Um, there's not even audio of any actors. There's basically just carnival music. Yeah. Um, at this point, we don't really know a whole lot about the cast either. Obviously, Jessica Lange's going to be in it, and right. she claims this will be her last season. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, but she also claimed this current season was going to be her last one too, so. Yeah, we'll see. I think it's a strong bet that Evan Peters will be in it. Probably. I've I've actually heard that um I think most of the cast. I don't know what that implies, but most of the cast will um, be returning. I I did hear that Kathy Bates was going to be in it again. Oh, okay. She's done real well on this one. I yeah. think uh, her character's been interesting. She's she's pretty good at anything she does. She yeah, she is. She's a very Classic actress. Yeah, that's very um, good. Um, and I had heard at one point that Dylan McDermott wanted to be involved with the series series again, mm-hmm. so he could be back. Um, so I mean, at this point, I mean, we're still kind of at the tail end of Coven, so we've still got a while to wait before we probably even start seeing any real solid advertising coming out. But, right. um. It's kind of a wait-and-see game at this point. Yep. But we will keep you posted. 
wrapping up its final season. Thank Christ. Uh, but Stephen Moyer, who plays Bill, the main vampire, mm-hmm. he has hinted that there's a possibility of a True Blood movie. Um, he said that it's possible it could go the way of Sex in the City and Entourage. Well, which were both HBO shows. Yeah. That made became movies. Right. Well, I mean, Sex in the City, they did two movies. Yeah. We're still waiting on the Entourage movie. Right. It's supposed to start filming this summer. Right. But, I don't know. I, I'm so just morally opposed to True Blood, because I think it just continues on this trend of tw- uh, Twilight, just making vampires total fucking pussies. Yeah. Trying to make them sexy. and Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, because I do watch Dracula, on NBC. And like I said last episode, it's just something I kind of watch. You know, I'll watch it on Hulu on Saturday morning. Um, just killing time till I start my day. So it's not something I'm super into, I guess. But it, um, I guess it does kind of follow that trend of these romantic, sexy vampires. And, yeah. But to a point, that's, kind of how Dracula was a little bit. Um, I mean, in the original Bram Stoker story, he was very captivating and, and sensual being. Um, so, I don't know. Like I said, maybe that makes me a little bit of a hypocrite, but I fucking hate True Blood. <laughs> I, I watched the first season um and part of the second, and then I just lost absolutely all interest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's... The the second season is when they started introducing everything else. Right. Werewolves and fairies. Yeah, fucking... And shapeshifters. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought I was watching a vampire show. <laughs> uh, and that's something... Like... It's, um... Anna Paquin, uh, Suki? Yeah. She's a fairy? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? What do fairies have to do with vampires at all? Uh, Other than being some mythical beings. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, when it, when it first started and it was just vampires, it's like, like, okay, well, vampire show, that might be cool. And I start seeing commercials for it and I, it seemed like a, few minutes of episodes and stuff and it's like okay this is just stupid and then they but I sat back and I said where are the werewolves and I had fans tell me well there aren't any werewolves and then it was a season or two later the werewolves show up yep. <laughs> but I mean it's it's it has its moments like some of the the kills are really good mm-hmm there, like it's it's a bloody enough show, and it's got the occasional boobs, right? Um, pack ones. Hot. Uh, but overall, it seems very soap opera y. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, it's just overly dramatic and silly. Yeah. 
Because you got, like, these two vampire guys fighting over Sookie, and it's just like, fuck off. Yeah. The only... Uh, HBO says nothing to confirm. <laughs> that's that's their quote, which doesn't mean no. Right. It just means that nothing's happening right now. Right. I mean, they said a lot of the same things about Entourage, which, of course, we know now is actually being made. Yeah. So, who knows? We'll see. Uh, fucking, I don't know. Taylor will keep you updated on this. I don't fucking give a shit. Oh, throw it on me. Uh, let's move on. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Alright, so... In more remake news. Oh, good. I know you guys love that. I'm not tired of remakes at all. Oh, no. I mean, an original ideal? What's that? How do you make a movie that hasn't already been made? Yeah. Where do you start? In 2015, we've got a Poltergeist remake. This has been in talks for years. Yeah, it's true. It has. Um, yeah, when, when I saw that it actually got a release date, I I was surprised how far along it was, because all I had heard was, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen someday, somewhere, over the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, well, it sounds like it is being actually made now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's got a release date, so... Yeah, so, uh, specifically, it's the day before Valentine's Day next year. Interesting choice. (laughs) Yeah. February 13th, 2015. And that's actually a Thursday, which is actually a pretty common day to put out movies. So, for for them to pick the day before Valentine's Day, I don't know if that was strategy or not, but... um. Looks like they've already put together a cast. Uh, well, I guess they must have if they've got a release date. But we've got uh, Rosemary DeWitt, Jared Harris, Sam Rockwell. Is he playing Craig T. Nelson? I hope so. <laughs> he, uh, I love that guy. <laughs> He's good in everything. He really is. Um, I mean, I think the first thing that I really just loved him in was um, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Don't know that I saw that one. It was about the guy that, uh, he was the host of the gong show, and he, no. he claimed he was a, secretly a CIA operative. <laughs> I would say the first movie where I, like, really, really enjoyed Sam Rockwell was Matchstick Men. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, it does have Nicolas Cage, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Sam Rockwell, Kyle Catlett, Saxon Charbino, and Jane Adams. Um, you know, I, I know Rosemary DeWitt, but I don't know why. Name sounds really familiar. I don't know. But, uh, the movie is written by David Lindsay Abair, uh, Juliet Snowden, and Styles White. Familiar with any of those people? Nope. All right. What about Gil Keenan? No, sir. All right. Well, that's the director. Okay. So, <laughs> this is off to a good start. Hey, so, we've got Sam Rockwell. So here's the uh, synopsis. 
A family struggling to meet and or sorry, a family struggling to make ends meet ro- relocates to an outdated suburban home and is confronted by an angry spirit who kidnaps their youngest daughter and challenges them to band together to rescue her from the clutches of evil. Sounds familiar. Yeah, my first thought is that actually sounds like the original. Yeah. But knowing Hollywood, they're they're gonna find some way to fuck it up. My, I, I'm convinced that the angry spirit is not just going to be a voice and a flashing TV. Probably not. It's going to be some little girl that looks like a zombie. That's a fair assumption. And you know, things like that, I think American culture, American horror culture, I guess, has drawn a little too much from Asian horror. Yeah. Where creepy little kids have just become the thing. Yeah. And I was really hoping that was a fad that was going to die out, but it just hasn't. Yeah, because it started with like the grudge. Yeah, in the rain. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I mean, but I mean, I, like I said, it's. I feel like it's going to do the exact same thing that the Amityville Horror remake did, and it's just going to take all those little subtle, creepy things and put them right in your face. Probably. Um, it's 20th Century Fox, who hasn't been great lately. <laughs> yeah. Um. They put out a lot of crap. But it's got Sam Rockwell, so I'll at least give it a chance. Yeah. I hope there's a Craig T. Nelson cameo. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, Sam Rockwell and the fact that it sounds like it might actually stick pretty close to the original story. Right. It might be worth... At least watch it again on DVD or something. Right, yeah, get it on Redbox. Yeah, so. Uh, I don't know that any more news will come out about this. I mean, it sounds pretty detailed already, but uh, if we do hear anything else, we'll keep you guys informed. We'll just wait for, like, the trailer. Yeah. Uh, so next, we, we, we on our Halloween episode, we reviewed the Carrie remake, mm-hmm. which we both agreed was caca. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly due because it, it was due to the fact that they had designed it, they had taken a, a classic story and a classic film and turned it into an MTV TV movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was like they really geared it towards teens. It felt like it was really sad. I mean, the fact that oh, the only person there in that movie that was of actual high school age was Chloe Grace Moritz. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, that's fine. Maybe you should, if you're having a high school movie, maybe you should put high school age people in it because <laughs> they, they certainly didn't do that. All right. I'm good. Okay. They certainly didn't do that in the original. Everybody in that was probably close to the 30s. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we, but 
The fact that it was obviously geared towards the MTV generation, and not the good MTV generation, the MTV generation of today. Right. <laughs> the one that grew up watching Jersey Shore and Teen Mom. And you know, a big question that we didn't bring up in our review is, how come nothing came of them posting a video of an underage girl nude on the internet? Well, they did die. Well, I meant legally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you would think that YouTube like, would have been on top of that. Pornography than bullying, but yeah. would've, something would have been triggered. Yeah, God knows that Google doesn't need that kind of lawsuit. No shit. <laughs> um, but the news is that it's actually it's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, well, it's actually, out. it did. It came yeah. out on the 14th, which today it was four days ago. Um, and something that actually leaked online was an alternate ending. Fucking shit. Alternate ending. Yeah. <laughs> it it was just as bad, if not worse, than the actual, like, original theatrical ending. It serves no purpose whatsoever. Not at all. And it's confusing as shit. The only good thing is that they took it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we can't explain it to you. On the off chance that you don't know how Carrie ends... We don't want to spoil it for you. We highly recommend that you see the original rather than the remake. But on the off chance you actually want to see this one and haven't yet, we won't tell you how this ending or what happens in this ending. Just know that it's absolute shit. It's totally pointless. It mm-hmm. makes no sense. It's like you you watch it after you watch the movie and you think, what does that have to do with anything? Exactly. Um, but I guess the actual news is that Carrie has come out on DVD and Blu-ray <laughs> on January 14th. <clears throat> I get no sleep in the evening. I get no sleep in the day. I got no work in the morning. So, a few episodes ago, we talked about a movie called Muck right. with Kane Hodder. Yeah. Um, really confusing. We couldn't really get a grip on what it was about. Still don't. No. <laughs> but we do know that it's going to come out in Ultra HD. Right. Which is a new thing. <laughs> it's a, a thing that's, now. That's a thing that exists. <laughs> um uh, it's also no- known as 4K. You-, you may know it as that. Um, it was introduced at CES where Michael Bay walked off stage like a douche. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have, have you seen one of these Ultra HDs, like HD TVs in person? In person, no. Uh, they have one at uh, at Best Buy in Northgate. Yeah, and it's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's like it's clearer than real life. It's absolutely ridiculous. See, like, I love HD. I'm all about HD. I mean, I love Blu-ray. I love HD sound. I love HD TVs. But when you get something that looks realer than real life, that creeps me out. Because <laughs> I feel like it's just a step away from stepping into an alternate dimension. <laughs> it really is, like, ridiculous. Like, you feel like you can just step into the TV. Uh-huh. Like, it's like looking out a window. Fuck, that's just weird. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so surprisingly, like of all the movies that are going to be coming out in this Ultra HD, this independent horror movie, 
Yeah. This is going to be one of them. Yeah, that's so weird because, I mean, this day and age, it's, it's just, it's common to shoot in HD. I mean, cameras are all HD. I mean, it's not even really an up conversion you have to do anymore. Right. Um, but if you're going to think of this, this 4K, in the same way that HD filming in HD used to be, it's like it's got to be so expensive. I would think, yeah. Just to shoot it, um, and then also to sell it to someone that's going to distribute it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so for just a really, like you said, it's a very independent, low budget movie for it to be sold in this high format is strange. Yeah, um, the article that I was reading from, it was on dreadcentral.com, just to give them credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, Muck is full of stunning slow motion fire, glass explosions, water combat, and rapid paced fierce horror stunts that will jump off the screen in both HD and Ultra HD. So, uh, that should be interesting. That yeah. sounds like, I'm imagining, like, the, like the glass explosions in particular, in this ultra HD, it sounds like it would be like almost terrifying. <laughs> like, you'd think you were going to get sliced open or something. Yeah. And imagine like ultra HD 3D. Oh God. I think my brain might explode. It would be like being in an alternate reality. <laughs> and something interesting about these 4K TVs is they're kind of concaved. Yeah, they're curved. Yeah, like a, like a, like a movie screen. Right. Like, uh, what Michael Bay had to say about him was, um, uh, uh, I, I can't do this. Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck. And, you know, something else about this is muck is entirely practical effects. There's no CGI mm-hmm. in the movie. That's something that we discussed and just, like, made it really anxious to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it's all practical effects makes me wonder if you're going to see it in this ultra, super high definition it's like I almost wonder if you're going to start to see that you know like makeup like makeup seams and and uh, and those little things that you wouldn't actually notice usually just because it's so crisp it's very possible yeah um, I remember thinking that when HD first came out though it's true and you could like I can remember when HD first got popular and like um, like the news first started broadcasting HD the news anchors, they're bright orange <laughs> because they hadn't figured out their makeup yet. Yeah. And so just things like that. I mean, like every time the, the, the high definition technology advances, it's like these filmmakers have to take that into consideration. Um, WWE told the wrestlers to stop using fake tan, using spray tan. Oh, yeah. Because of the HDTVs, they just came out looking orange. <laughs> well. That's not to say they don't still look orange. Right. Because when they lay in a tanning bed. They use boots, but they just don't spray tan anymore. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting. I don't remember if we ever actually announced a release date for Muck, or if there even is one yet, but we're pretty anxious to see it, and, you know, we'll probably never see it on this Ultra HD, but. <laughs> um, the, the prequel has, uh, started casting. Has it? Yeah, and it's it's supposed to start filming in August of this year. Okay. So well. they're they're gonna pump these out 
I hope so. I mean, it, it, we don't really know what it's about or Not why, really, yeah. but the the scenes look cool. Yeah. Like from the trailer. Yeah, definitely so. check out the trailer if you haven't seen it yet. And it's got a Playboy Playmate in it, so it can't Kane be Hunter. half bad. What? And Kane Hodder. And Kane Hodder. So, there's this uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fan film that's out, and it, it's called A Walk Through Elm Street, and what it is, is it's actually a prequel of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It takes place when Freddy Krueger was still known as a Springwood slasher, Um when he, you know, when he's, before he's been burned alive, before anybody even knew who he was, other than just another person that lived on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's actually a fan film series, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's got several installments. Um, not sure where it's at yet. I believe it's, um, up to three. Up to three, okay. Um, it, it, it it's very well done. And it's interesting to see Freddy as a, essential, well, for all intents and purposes, a normal person. Right. Before he's like this, this dream monster. Um, Freddy is played by an actor, uh, Roberto Lombardi, who I'm not familiar with anything he's done before. He didn't look familiar. No, but he, he does. Looks very similar to Robert Englund. He does very much so, um, and he he does give that kind of creepy, like just I don't know, just that creepy stalkerish vibe, like you might imagine Freddy did um, before he became <laughs> a monster, basically. Um, and so, I mean, the synopsis of it is, is in Springwood, long before he became the Demon of Dreams, Freddy Krueger stalked the streets under another name, the Springwood Slasher. Our third story centers on the inner workings of Freddy's mind. What makes him tick, and how does he view the world? Edited to reflect his fragmented way of, way of thinking, we follow Freddy on a walk through Elm Street as he interacts with a soon-to-be mother outside of a very familiar house. Which just so happens to be a big white house with a red door. Right. Um, it, 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 from, from what I'm looking at, it looks like A Walk Through Elm Street is the most recent one. And then um, the first one is A Tale from Elm Street. And the second one is Another Tale from Elm Street. Right. And the series is known as just Kruger. Kruger. Right. Okay. So, um, I mean, I guess that's the big news. I mean, you look at a poster of it, and you've got uh, Lombardi... Standing in the familiar brown fedora with a brown leather jacket, and underneath it is a green and red striped sweater. So, oh, yeah, you can barely notice it, but yeah, now that you point it out, I see it. Um, so, you know, I I haven't gotten a chance, because this, this was a kind of a late story. We just kind of plugged it in <clears throat> right at the end. Um so I haven't had a chance to go through all three of these yet, but from what I've seen so far, it's very good. Yeah, and these are. Did you say who, it's, who the filmmaker is? I didn't. Uh, it's Chris R. I want to say Notarile, 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe Notarile. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but he he is the filmmaker responsible for these movies. Okay. Um, He's the writer and director of all three. Right. And it's very well done. Great acting. Um, good production value. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, you can check it out on their Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash Kruger Elm Street Tales. Um, that's, that's all one word, obviously. So, uh, go check it out and watch the videos. They're, they're very good and, and keep up to date with the, with the newer ones. Miss me. That's going to be all for the news. So you mean the horror business, horror business. Yes. Horror business. <laughs> um, so we'll move right along into our movie reviews. Okay, so our video, our movie choices kind of jumped around a little bit. Um, we had originally decided to do Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, which we did do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also wanted to do Fantastic Fear of Everything, starring Simon Pegg. Right. We watched it, and it just, I don't know, it wasn't really a horror. It was more of a, th- more of a comedy thriller. We, yeah, we expect it to be like a horror comedy, but it's more of just a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, it didn't involve, like I said, any any real horror elements so much. Right. It did involve a lot of like, like serial killer theme to it, but not so much for you even classify it as a horror. Um, so I mean, we're not going to really go into it, but it's mentioned that I know in the last episode I said that it looked a lot like um, it may have been a combination between like Wes Anderson and Ed, Edgar Wright. Which I feel like it was. It's very yeah. artistic. It still holds up, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think probably leans more so towards um, Wes Anderson, just because of the artistic element of it, um, and just I don't know the way the actors interacted with each other. It was just very familiar of something like like Rushmore or. Um, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Right. Or um, Darjeeling Limited. Yeah. Or Unlimited. One of the two. The one with the train and right. Adrian Brody. <laughs> anyway. So, I don't know. If you're if you're into Wes Anderson stuff, I'd say check it out. If you're not, and I'm personally not usually. They don't, I mean, I, I like Rushmore and I like Royal Tenenbaums. But beyond that, I'm not a big Wes Anderson fan. But I'd say if you are, this might be a good movie for you. I enjoyed it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it I mean, wasn't like my favorite movie of all time or anything. But. Sure. Um, I I I like Simon Pegg. I mean, obviously, he's uh, one of my favorite actors. So I'd say maybe also if you're a big Simon Pegg fan, it might be worth checking out. Definitely. So okay. So now we're going to move on to our actual movies. Right. Um, and I guess we'll go ahead and do Taylor's first. Okay, then. Um, my pick was a movie that just came out on Friday called Devil's Do. Take it from the top. I told you I didn't do it. We're having a baby. Oh, my God! This is where me and your mom got married. This is your house. And your room. This is the last hour. The Antichrist is coming. 
devils do. Why don't you tell us what really happened? So this is the story of Zach and Sam McCall, who are newlyweds, and they go to Dominican Republic for their honeymoon. Um, end up going to this underground club party kind of thing. And uh, when they come home, Sam finds out she's pregnant. And uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that the thing in her belly is the Antichrist. Right. It's kind of the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's the real quick and dirty plot. Right. Um, this may sound familiar to a lot of you. Yeah, the obvious comparison is Rosemary's Baby. Right. I mean, anytime you make a movie about a devil baby, obviously the first comparison anyone's going to make is going to be Rosemary's Baby. Right. Um, it's, it, it, as I mentioned before when we were talking about it, we are talking about Rosemary's Baby, uh, it wasn't as artsy. Yeah. I mean, it was, obviously, it was a found footage format, which, you know, obviously neither of us are fans of, but, um, it did have that format to it, and as a result, it was a little, it was a more, I don't know, kind of down and dirty a little bit. Yeah, although, there were a lot of parts where I remember thinking, they must have a really nice camera because it was found footage style but the camera was still like extremely crisp and right um and I noticed like at one point the uh the group that is actually kind of like um behind this whole antichrist it's like I think it was explained as uh, an offshoot of the Catholic Church, where they're, they're like rebels that were trying to overthrow the church centuries ago. <clears throat> anyway, they break into their house at one point and put in all these cameras. Yeah, uh, which, <laughs> like, it seemed unnecessary. And convenient. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was, like, that was written in just as a way to make the movie found, found footage. Yeah. Um, and at one point, there's actually a scene because throughout the movie uh, Sam who like okay Sam and Zach those are some of the most generic character names that I've heard in a while (laughs) Um, anyway um, there's one point where Sam who has become increasingly more like kind of possessed and animalistic throughout the film. Uh, there's a point where she, there's a, there's a, a tr- kind of a trio of teenagers out in the woods and they find her snacking on a, on a deer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was another convenient camera point, I think. Yeah, that part was weird because they didn't really explain that it was different characters with the camera. Right. It was just all of a sudden like, who are these people? Because I thought that they had Sam and Zach's camera all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. That they had stolen it or something. Yeah. There was no real explanation of why all of a sudden we were watching someone else's footage. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that whole part, it seemed kind of shoehorned in, I think. 
Yeah, it didn't really. It didn't. Um, didn't increase the storyline anyway. Haunted. Although the, there wasn't a whole lot of storyline here. There really wasn't. It's very simple. I mean, it, it followed Rosemary's Baby almost almost to a T. Yeah, like I have in in my um, notes here, not so much a story as a bunch of things that happened. <laughs> yeah. Also, throughout the movie, there's random time jumps. Like, there'll be one time jump that'll be from night until the next morning, and then the next time jump will be four months down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because it, obviously it started with uh, her being... Or actually, it starts with them getting married and going on their honeymoon, and then goes to her being pregnant, which I don't think you really know how close that was, relatively close. Yeah, most of the time jumps don't really explain how exactly how long they are. Yeah, but then suddenly it jumps to her being like, you know, like halfway through her pregnancy, and then it jumps to her being a month away from her giving birth. It's, um... Really unfocused, I guess. Yeah, it's it's it, uh, I don't know. It almost seemed like they wrote the movie on a napkin a little bit. <laughs> really, like the, the beginning of the movie has these timestamps, and at first I was thinking like, oh my god, we're gonna have to pay attention to these timestamps the whole movie to figure yeah. it out. But then like the timestamps disappear, and in hindsight, I kind of wish they had stayed there so I knew how how long we were jumping forward in time each each time. Mm-hmm. Um. And especially because there are, like you said, so many cameras that have been hidden in the house by this this group. Um, this, I don't know, for lack of a better word, I guess it's like a cult yeah. or, or a coven of some sort. <clears throat> um, they place all these cameras in their houses, or sorry, in their house, and they're all labeled as what camera they are, but again, there's no timestamps, so mm-hmm. it's like... Sometimes you'll jump from one day to the next, and you, you won't know that that happened. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know. I guess just all the jumping in general made it just increasingly hard to focus on, especially as plot points started to add up. Yeah. As, like, the story started to build a little bit, you know, what story there was. Um it became increasingly hard to assemble that in your head, not knowing what day this was. You know, is this the same day as the scene before it, or is this a week later? Yeah, you kind of had to, like, look at people's clothes. Yeah. Just be like, oh, he's wearing a different shirt, so this must be a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing I noticed is this movie had probably the most special effects I've ever seen in a found footage movie. Yeah. Um... Which might be kind of the nature of the beast a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully it's moving to a point where there's no found footage movies. I can only hope. Um, found footage movies are becoming like zombie movies, where the market is just so oversaturated mm-hmm. that the only way to stand out is to do something utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, when you do something utterly ridiculous, it's not always a good thing. I mean, right. <laughs> be, being the most noticed is not always good. I mean, like for like World War Z, for example. I yeah. Mean, obviously, that was just this massive, like probably the biggest budgeted zombie movie in history. Probably. Um, 
and it sucked because it just it was so off the wall and just so far from the source material. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Just most found footage movies there's at least one point in it where you go, "Why the fuck are you still recording?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um which is something we'll get into more in Paranormal Activity because I felt like that did it a lot more than this one did. Yeah. <laughs> but like this one, there was a lot of convenient cameras. Yes. Like the security cameras and he had his adventure cam. Yeah. Which, clipped onto his shirt. Yeah. And um, I, I felt like that the use of that camera made, like, because he used it a lot. Like a lot of the scenes were filmed through this camera that he has, like, on his, clipped on his shirt. Mm-hmm. Um and I actually have that in my notes here. Like, this movie was exceptionally hard to focus on, like, more than most um, found footage films because, like, his shirt cam would, like, cut off half of somebody's head. And, you know, as he's walking, it would shake around. And Yeah. Like, the part where he's, like, running and, then, like, he jumps over the fence, it's mm-hmm. so disorienting. Yeah. Because yeah. you're looking at it from the point of view of his chest. So you're not even seeing what he sees. You're seeing, like, his shirt can move around, and mm-hmm. and it, it, it was very disorienting. Although it did make me wonder... Or I, I found it funny that a lot of times when he would be, like, responding to somebody that's next to him, and he'd be filming through his shirt cam, it's like, in a normal situation, somebody would just turn their head. <laughs> He's turning his entire he upper body. turned his entire body like fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know I, I mean obviously I think that's probably my biggest complaint about the whole movie is just the cameras yeah um, and just how silly I thought it was and then like going back to um, how I said there was lots of special effects in it was it just me or were there sound effects at points uh, how do you mean like the part where she has the little blade thing um, like she she takes the top off uh-huh. and the blade kind of shines in the light and it goes bing I guess I didn't notice I, and there, there was a, a part at the end too which I can't say what was happening because it would be too much of a spoiler mm-hmm. but I swear there was sound effects going on yeah I couldn't say I guess I didn't notice hmm. um, I mean maybe it was like something that we were supposed to be hearing in the room at the time, but it, it just, it felt like it was special effects put into a movie. Right. Which um, doesn't fit in a found footage movie. No. Uh, another thing is like, uh, a lot of, as Sam becomes a little more and more weird, <laughs> she gets a little more and more possessed, um, she starts doing a lot of weird things. <laughs> and, it seems like Zach isn't as affected by them as he should be. Well, a lot of the times it was just kind of like, oh, she's pregnant. It's weird pregnancy stuff. Well, at one point they're walking out of, uh, I think it's a baby store, like, like a baby's on oh, us right, or something. Yeah. And she's walking and this car starts to back up into her, like in the, in the parking lot. And she loses her goddamn mind and starts punching out the windows of the car, of this yeah. SUV, and then pulls the driver out and is ready to kick his ass. But Zach pulls her off and they, they, they take off. And so, 
obviously he gives a certain reaction to it where he is very freaked out and uh, you know just kind of bewildered a little bit just like maybe he doesn't know what to think but it seems like what might well again with the time lapse who knows it might be hours later it might be the next day or something it's like it never happened (laughs) it's like he's back to just being like the sweet loving husband you know an expectant father doesn't seem to really acknowledge anymore or take notice of the fact that she just barehanded punched through four windows (laughs) like car windows those things that don't just shatter on impact you know yeah um but I don't know in like at one point she's carving this symbol which is apparently like kind of like a satanic or, or dark symbol it's kind of like the symbol of this cult which it's also the symbol for euros yeah so basically she's carving the euro sign or and, the quake 2 logo <laughs> Um, she's carving it into the floor of their baby's room. Yeah, their, na- their nursery. Um, she covers it up with a rug. Did she? Okay, because I was wondering why no one saw it. <laughs> yeah, um, and I didn't actually notice that until, like, almost the final scene that she had covered it up with a rug. But even still, it's like, you know... As much time as it seemed like Zach was spending in that room, getting it fixed up and painting and putting together furniture and whatnot, mm-hmm. you think he may have noticed like some wood chips all over the place? Because yeah. you know he's carving into you know probably a good half inch into these hardwood floors, and they never showed her sweeping up or anything. Yeah, it's like you, you wouldn't think uh, you know Satan would be quite as tidy, <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Just irregular shit like that, where it seems like it phases him for like five minutes, and then later on he's fine. It's like he's like, well, it's just it's like it's almost like he's got it in his head. It's like, well, that's just pregnancy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This movie took a long time to get interesting. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, like I said, it's just stuff that happened, and it's not it. I, I guess it's kind of point a part of the story because it's like, her, like you said, her doing weird things, like the part in the grocery store mm-hmm. where she's a vegetarian, but she just starts eating raw meat right in the middle of the grocery store. Yeah, which I get, you know, is supposed to be like, oh, it's weird for her to do that. I mean, it's weird for anybody to do that, but but it's just like, what's the point of this scene? And it went on for so long. Yeah. I did find it funny that the little kid in the grocery store was just staring at yeah. her. <laughs> um, that was like the first thing I noticed was the little kid just watching her. <laughs> and finally the mom's like, stop that. Let's let's go. Yeah. Get away. <laughs> a guy walks by, takes a look at her, and just dips down the just next aisle. <laughs> um, so one, one good thing that I did appreciate about this movie um, that isn't very common in a lot of other found footage movies there were only a f- like two maybe three jump scares I, I honestly can't think of any right now what were they you know I don't remember but I I, I mean I got that in my notes I don't think I would have written it down <laughs> 
if it didn't happen. But I know I, I do recall that there were limited jump scares, which is hard to find in a found footage movie. Something that we'll discuss again when we do paranormal activity. But that's one thing I did appreciate. Like um, I know at one point there was a surprise party, so I guess that was kind of a jump scare. But yeah, I guess. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Overall, it just... It felt like it took a long time to get going, and it... I think it was a little a little over the top at points yeah. for being a found footage movie. Yeah, and I think... The fact that they were... Like, stylistically, it wasn't a found footage movie. Like, it was... Like the camera work, like aside from being shaky, and like I mentioned before, it's hard to watch it at points just because of the shakiness and the bad shots and stuff. But as far as like um, the quality, was much better than you'd expect from um, a found footage film, right? And so that kind of take took you out of the element a little bit, I think. Um, and so, as a result, it didn't really hold up to me as a found footage movie I guess yeah that makes total sense yeah um and it's just like like I mentioned before it was so disorganized and hard to follow I mean you, you know the general story but as far as the smaller details it's kind of hard to keep up with just because it was just bounced around so much like um as far as who the characters were um, because the movie was so predominantly focused on Zack and Sam that you didn't get a whole lot of screen time with the other characters, so you just don't really know who they are. Yeah. Um, at one point, his, we discover his, his sister comes to kind of keep an eye on Sam while he's out of the house. And it's like, I, I, I don't know about you, but I was just sitting there thinking, like... Obviously, it was some kind of relation to them, one of them. But it's like, I don't know who this person is. Well, there's there's a couple parts where these minor characters come and go, So, but it's so quickly that you don't really... Like, if they come back later, you're not going to put it together. Yeah. You know, like, there's their parents, obviously, um, or his parents. His parents, because she, she is actually an orphan. Right. Um, so there's his parents, and obviously, you know, when they come back in, you're going to know... There his parents, but yeah, he's got several sisters, and then there's these other women that I guess are her friends. Yeah, one had said that they grew up in the same foster home, right? So, but they they dip in and out of the story so quickly that it's hard to remember who is who mm -hmm. and what what their relation is to the other characters, right? Because it's not it's not clearly explained. Yeah, so. I don't know. I guess overall, it wasn't a terrible movie. It wasn't hard to watch. Yeah. But I, afterwards, I mean, even beforehand, but especially afterwards, I had a real hard time justifying the almost 11 bucks that I spent on it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Anything else to say? Uh, full load. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, we were gonna try and fit that in somewhere, but that's what she said. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'm gonna give it a four. Four, yeah. Um, yeah, 
think I'm probably right there with you. About a four. Just, I probably would have given it a five had the camera work been a little better. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was even below par of what you expect from a found footage movie. This was done by the guys who did um, the ending of VHS. Was it? Yeah. No. VHS or VHS 2? I'm trying to remember. Hmm. It's, a, it's like that's a trio of guys. Um, Matt Bettinelli Open, Tyler Gillette, and Lindsay Devlin. Okay. And, uh, yeah, they're this trio that work together. And they, uh, they did the ending of one of the VHS movies. Well, okay. The, the first one. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Alright, so Devil's Do is in theaters currently. Uh, just came out. I imagine it'll probably at least be in the theater for another month or so. I expect it to be more crowded in the theater. Yeah. For being opening night. Right. Was it opening night? Yeah. Oh, I'll be damned. Yeah, and we saw it in the... Like, we saw it just before 8 o'clock, so, like, prime movie-going hour. Mm-hmm. And we got there, and it was a long line. So, we halfway expected... I told you, everyone was going to see the ride-along. <laughs> well, I personally halfway expected at least some of them to be going to our movie, but they just weren't. I'd say there were probably tops 20 people in this probably 300 person not yeah like the, the whole front half of the theater was empty yeah so obviously they did something wrong with their marketing or people just thought it sounded stupid <laughs> either way if you want to see it uh, it's going to be in theaters nationwide not sure if it's international or not or at least not yet I, mean, I imagine it probably will be but right. anyway go check it out if you want <laughs> or don't or, or don't. I don't fucking care. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to my pick, which was Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre. Venganos en tu reino. Hágase, Señor, tu voluntad. Así en la tierra como en el Nuestras deudas así como all right so this is a brand new movie it's uh it's it's in the paranormal activity saga i guess you might call it but it's not a direct sequel it has some references to the original story mm-hmm. um as far as like this the story between like katie and um uh, Christy. Christy, thank you. <laughs> um, and there are some characters that overlap, too. Yes. Uh, that's that's mostly what I was referring to. But um, So the basic premise is that uh, we've got a character named um, Jesse, who the movie starts out with him graduating from high school. It's like at, at his actual graduation. Uh, and we see character giving his valedictorian speech and this this all takes place in Oxnard, California um, in 2012 right Um, which would put it after the events of Paranormal Activity 4 correct Um, 
and so he, he's he, he's a Mexican American, uh, as far as I can tell, he's f- full blooded. I mean, he's not like a half Mexican or anything. Um, and he he does live in a predominantly Latino neighborhood, which essentially is Oxford. <laughs> um, but uh, so. He's hanging out with his friend uh, Oscar, or not sorry, not Oscar Hector, and they start screwing around with this woman that lives downstairs named Anna. Who, not like screwing around, screwing around. No, just just kind of not like no, none of that. Um, they just kind of start fucking with her, but not literally fucking. <laughs> like they make this little kid. Ring her doorbell and run, and yeah, calling her bruja, which is witch. Spanish, Spanish for witch, yeah. Um, and so, shortly after this happens, he's Jesse. He notices that he, he wakes up. He's got a, a bite on his arm. It looks like a, like a human bit him on it's his actually, arm. It's actually it's very similar to the bite that Katie had in part one, right? had forgotten about that thank you um and very shortly after that he the the neighbor downstairs Anna she they hear some noise they got shared heating ducts in their apartment building and they hear noise coming from her apartment and they have this GoPro camera that they attach to a, a long cable and they drop it down the heating vent and they can see that Anna is doing some kind of weird ritual to this woman who's... Okay, is that why I have naked body painting in my notes? That would be it. Okay. I was looking at that going, I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, This woman is naked and, you know, obviously it's, it's a movie screen projection so you can't really see any detail. Looks like a pretty good-looking woman. And then... Pretty fit. Um, But then you see Anna, who is a woman who's easily in her 60s, short, overweight, very gross to look at. She walks into frame completely naked, too. Right. And starts painting... It's it's like when Danny DeVito is naked on Always Sunny. (laughs) Uh, She begins to paint these symbols on this woman um, and obviously they don't know what that means at this point they just know it's weird shortly after that um, they notice that the, the police and the fire department and ambulance are at their apartment building and they are carrying Anna's body away she's died we, we, we don't explain how we, I mean, we don't know what happened just know that Anna has died and so they go and explore her apartment and find all these weird ritual, ritualistic things along with a box of tapes that say Katie and Christie, 1988. Um, so obviously this woman, who they refer to as Bruja, actually is a witch. <laughs> Um, as you know, as you might know from the previous Paranormal Activity movies. Anyway, so as the movie goes on, you slowly start to discover that 
um, Jesse has been possessed or overtaken by some kind of demon, and he slowly starts to transition into this just like he he he, he starts to discover that he has these abilities that are very supernatural in nature. Like he attempts to f- fall backwards and he can't land on the ground. Like he stops in midair. Um, and I like the part where he uh, he can inflate the, the air mattress with one breath. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy's laying on it and he just goes poo! And the guy just pops up in the air. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he begins to show weird abilities like that and he also he, he slowly starts to become just more and more out of it uh, just very weird and Hector and his other friend uh, Marisol they start to notice that he is not himself um, and um, through some kind of various discoveries namely a visit from Ali from Paranormal Activity 2 who you might know is, is like the only surviving member from the second movie. Well, aside from the baby, who you actually discover is from or is in Paranormal Activity Four. Aside from all that, um, she basically has done her research about this whole witch's coven, and yeah, I was wondering how Allie knew as much as she knew. Well, she knew a lot. Well, she's obviously had like f- something like four years to do research. <laughs> I suppose. What like where's she been going? What's obviously she's not just going to Google and typing in witches. Oh, library. I don't know. What's that? <laughs> um. Anyway, they kind of discover what's happened to Jesse is that he's been uh, essentially marked. Uh, get it? Uh, he's, he's the marked one. Oh, he said it. <laughs> uh, he's been marked by Anna, who is a witch, and he's slowly becoming like kind of a vessel for this demon. Um, you find out the name of the coven is the Midwives. Right. And you find out that they have more powers than we even realized. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, you find out they can actually time travel, but which is only to unholy places. Yeah, only to unholy places. But they're—I mean—they're an unholy coven, so yeah, it's basically probably where they want to go. Yeah, but it, like that part to me, kind of seems like they were trying to expand the story even more. Yeah, it's like if we add time travel, we can make them go anywhere. <laughs> and you know, when this movie was first announced and they first started kind of explaining the plot. Yeah, the writer and the director out there saying this is not a direct sequel of the original films. Um, this is a like, completely separate side story. It's really not, because a, a few different times in the movie, it actually intersects with the original stories. Yeah, like you can say that it's not the same family, but at the same time, neither was Paranormal Activity 4. So. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously... We we discussed this movie before when the news was kind of first announced about it. It was actually originally called the Oxford Tapes, um, so it, it actually didn't even have the Paranormal Activity title attached to it. So I almost wonder if these are plot points that they added into the film. Probably, like um, how they changed the ending of part one. Right. Um, 
Yeah, and so I, there's there's a pretty interesting ending, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think we're both a little skeptical of it, but anybody that sees this will let you be the judge, I guess. Because, you know, we, we both agree that found footage is a pretty well-worn territory. Yeah. It's a trend that kind of needs to start dying off now. Um, but these people that are making the paranormal activity movies, they're they're just really riding the wave till it till it you know lands on shore, and yeah, Paranormal Activity Five is coming out in October, right? Um, and so, okay, and so let's let's I guess get more into not necessarily talking about the plot, but the elements of the movie here. <laughs> um, the first thing I uh, was I thought was funny is, uh, you know, I grew up in L.A., and so I'm pretty familiar with a lot of, like, Mexican culture, because, um, you know, obviously I had a lot, of, a lot of Mexican friends growing up in Southern California, um, and it's just funny that he's having this graduation party. And it's just like, goddamn, Mexicans have the best parties. Like his grandma's doing tequila shots yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and they're, they're out in this courtyard of their apartment building, and they're just going crazy. They're just having a good old time. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, my graduation party included me, my family, my grandma, or my, my two grandmas, and my aunt. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> And your grandmas weren't doing tequila shots? No, they <laughs> certainly weren't. Um, so, yeah, they're just partying up in this, um, this courtyard. And it's like, God damn, this is awesome. <laughs> um, it, it, in the movie, like I mentioned earlier, that they had like one of those GoPro cameras, which mm-hmm. like a lot of extreme sports people, they'll like, use it as like, a helmet cam or, or, or something of that nature. Because they're just really small high quality cameras that you can basically attach anywhere and they're really durable I, I believe um, so they're really resilient to um, being knocked around but on top of that you never actually see the camera but you have to assume it's he, he mentions it's a $300 camera and it's like there's people that live in this really shitty area in Oxnard California how the fuck are they affording these expensive <laughs> cameras not not just one, but two. Like, <laughs> where do they come from? Um, I don't want to speculate. <laughs> um, also, I did notice that, like, it seemed like about halfway, probably even earlier than that before I actually picked up on it, but the movie starts and Hector has the camera, like the main camera. Mm-hmm. At some point during the movie, it suddenly becomes Jesse's camera. Because <laughs> he always has it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really realize... I that didn't... I didn't think about that while watching it, but now that you mention it... Yeah, it's like I have to think that's some kind of, like, oversight. Just kind of a plot hole a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, like, he'll... Jesse would wake up in the middle of the night and grab his camera. Which actually leads into another thing, something that we said we were going to discuss earlier, is... I felt that, like, when you take not only just paranormal activity movies, but found footage movies as a whole, I think 
the believability of them constantly holding a camera was like at an all time low in this one. Yeah. Like there's parts where they're running away from people and stuff. At that point, I'm closing the camera and putting it in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to continue holding it, looking in front of me while I'm running. Yeah, and there's one point where um, they're in a car wreck, and they, you know, they, get, they get T-boned. And not only is it unbelievable that they immediately... Well, you have to assume it's relatively quickly. They immediately get out of the car, and they pick up the camera, because this... They have Jesse in the back seat. It's Hector and Marisol driving, trying to take Hector to the hospital. Or, sorry, uh, Jesse to the hospital. And they get T-boned by the, the coven. Mm-hmm. Um, and coven kidnaps Jesse. And they pick up, after being hit by another vehicle, <laughs> they manage to get themselves together, get out of the car... And grab the camera. Yeah. Which has been running the entire time, obviously. Um, like I said, it's, the, it's these why away. the fuck are you still recording moments. Yeah. And, and there were several of those this, this yeah. movie. Um, Pretty much the whole end yeah. was one of those. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know that there, a lot of those moments are kind of avoided um, when... Like in in different, namely like found footage movies, a lot of those moments will be avoided as far as being questioned because they'll be using like night vision. Yeah. But as far as I could tell, he wasn't using night vision in this. <laughs> I mean, I think he did at certain points. Yeah. Like like you mentioned, the end. I don't, I don't think he was using. Night I don't vision. think so. Um, and so he just had the camera running, and it's like. I don't care if you've got a, oh, the world needs to see this mentality. There's a certain point that shuts off in, you know, self-preservation. <laughs> and you cannot die. Yeah. Takes precedent. <laughs> um, and, you know, I actually have a... Because uh, I have a note here. Asking, like, why it was only Jesse that seemed to have this issue. Because at first it seemed like it was be like Anna had put a curse on him for going into her, like fucking with her. Yeah. Um, well, they had another friend, Oscar. Right. That he, he was possessed too. Yes, and he was actually the valedict- valedictorian, which made it really shocking because he had seemed, you know, like I said, he's valedict- valedictorian. That's not a role that you just get. Yeah. Um, and. Suddenly, he had seemed to just like kind of deteriorate into eventually what Jesse becomes, just kind of a mindless <laughs> creep, basically. Um, <clears throat> and he he actually discovered he's the one that, that kills Anna. Like he 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 murdered her, and then <laughs> goes on to jump from the top of their apartment building and kill yeah. himself. Um, and it's, you know, another thing that's funny is, like, not necessarily from personal experience, but I know coming from the L.A. area um, that at one point they say, they actually discover that 
Oscar was the one that killed Anna, and they move on to say, well, why isn't Oscar going to the police to tell them what she did to him? And they basically say, well, you know, people here don't talk to cops, which is absolutely true, especially in, like, Latin neighborhoods. Yeah. Or actually, I mean, mostly, like, minority where gang activity is very high. Um, Stop snitching. Yeah. Um, nobody talks to the cops at all. And so that, that, I think that's ultimately why a lot of crimes don't get solved in areas like that. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, they also mentioned that um, Oscar's brother is the head of a gang, mm. a street gang. So I thought that was interesting that they would include that in, yeah. into the story. Um, I like how they used... A Simon game as a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, basically, green would light up for yes, red would light up for no. Yeah. And obviously, when they first start using it, he's trying to Jesse's trying to play it, and it's not working. But every time he would ask it a question, it would it light would beep, up. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that they don't pick up on immediately, but then they eventually discover that's answering the questions. And it's funny, his his grandma comes in, who's obviously very Catholic, very religious. She sees what's happening, and she comes in, she tries to take it from him. And he's like, no, this is mine. <laughs> also, where the hell do they find a Simon? <laughs> Value Village. Yeah, it's like they, they can't make those things anymore, do they? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen one since I was a kid. <laughs> but, um... Also, like... Uh, something I mentioned before is like he starts to discover he has these abilities. Um, it's almost like he's got like superpowers or something. Yeah. Like he, like I mentioned, he calls Hector in and start filming. He's just standing in his bedroom and he starts falling backwards and he stops. Like, like <laughs> and then Hector tries it. Yeah, like he, <laughs> he falls he, off the chair. Yeah, Jesse tries to test it. He climbs up on a bookcase. He tries to like, or like he's up on a table or something. Tries to check, test it from a higher ground. Yeah, and he just kind of essentially floats in the air. And then yeah, Hector goes and tries and just lands on his ass. <laughs> um, also, he starts. He seems to have like kind of like these telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. At one point, when he's kind of at his his height of being possessed, he or Hector finds him, I don't know, in his bedroom or, or something, psychically pinning the family dog to the ceiling and just laughing about it. Chavo, Chavo, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, at one point, the grandma tries to exercise him, mm-hmm. and he just like throws her to the side, and then. I don't really know what exactly happened, but in my notes, I put, what the fuck, Jesse just Dragon Balled. <laughs> <laughs> because he just kind of, like, sticks his chest out and all the lights light up. Well, he wasn't standing there originally, was he? I, th- I think it had something to do with the time travel. He somehow, like... I think it did. Like, he suddenly appeared floating in midair. Right. And, yeah, there's this big explosion behind him. There's this big orange aura 
Yeah, he basically, like, shifted space and time. Right. But just the way he did it just reminded me of something from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, that, that was an interesting concept, is the time travel. Um, I think it did get confusing at times, at least for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, because, uh, like, watching the movie... There were confusing parts, but then going back and kind of like reviewing, like maybe like reading the plot, um, like actually seeing, like reading the actual progression of the movie, like written out, mm -hmm. you discover that a lot of those confusing parts were actually just them time traveling. Yeah. Um, which, you know. I remember when I first watched it, there was parts where I was just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why is that there? Yeah. Then I realized because it was actually in a different point in time. Yeah. Um, and because there's no like when they travel through time, there's no like notification. Mm -hmm. There's no you know he doesn't leap like Sam Beckett, right. <laughs> so you know that he's changed yeah. times. It's just kind of like he goes through a door and all of a sudden he's somewhere else, yeah, or uh, some when else. There is one part where I actually didn't. This is one one thing where I didn't pick up on it right away. Like he's filming again for whatever fucking reason, he's still filming something. Um, and this is Hector. Um, the the camera glitches, yeah, and like kind of fuzz well, not fuzzes out, but kind of pixels out and kind of shuts almost shuts off for a second, yeah, and it kind of comes back in and he's somewhere else. That was something I forgot to mention in my review of Devil's Do was there was parts where the camera glitch glitches. Mm -hmm. But it, like in Devil's Do it's so obvious. Like, it doesn't look like a camera glitching. It looks like an effect that was added in later. Yeah, yeah definitely. As opposed to this one where it did look like something was happening with the this camera. This one looks much more like a found footage movie as opposed definitely. to just someone with a professional camera <laughs> running around. Well you have to assume that like there, there had to have been some involvement from somebody, or you know, several people that had experience with the Paranormal Activity series. So, like, I think they've mostly capitalized on this found footage. Yeah, and they, I think they probably know what they're doing at this point. Yeah, um, which not I mean, kind of a side topic with uh, Paranormal Activity three. Well, it was supposed to take place in the 80s and it's supposed to be filmed all on VHS. Mm -hmm. It still looked digital. Yeah. It didn't look VHS at all. Yeah, that's true. So that, that, that was one thing that kind of bugged me about do you, it. Do you like the Paranormal Activity series? I, I really liked the first one. Um, but the way it ended, it seemed to me like, okay, well, that's it. And then they did Paranormal Activity Oh, the too. original ending? What? With the original ending? Or the theatrical ending? Whichever one I would have seen first. I'm not sure which one was which. Probably the theatrical ending, unless you saw it on DVD first. I think I did see it on DVD first. Oh. Well, did you see the ending where... Fuck it, everybody's seen Paranormal Activity. Just the, talk, talk the, to me. The ending where she slashes her throat? Uh, I don't remember if I saw that one first or not. That's the original ending. Is it? Okay. Yeah, but then the, they had to make sequels, so the studio changed it to her just looking at the camera and turning into a demon, and then her, all of a sudden, you know, the words came up that said she was never seen from again. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, and then in, in part two, she was seen from again. Right. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think that second one was, I think that probably was the first one I'd seen. 
Okay. That would make more sense. Right. Um, and so... See, I like I like the first one, but I like it better with the original ending. Oh, yeah, me too. I, I can remember first seeing that. I'm like, okay, this movie's so much better now. Yeah. Um, I actually think they, they get worse each time, in my opinion. Um, if I had to put them in order, I would put them one, two, three, four. This. Really? Uh, I think I would have to flip two and three, because I like three better That's, than two. I, I totally understand that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one wasn't certainly wasn't the worst, but I don't know. Like I said, so many it wasn't. times. What? It wasn't? This one? No, I don't think so. What would you say is the worst, then? Four? Yeah. Because that one seemed just like a payday. Like, they just made it because they felt like they had to. Yeah. Um, and this one... I don't know. Like, it, it really seemed to me like it could have been a standalone film, but they just put so many elements of the original, or like the original series into it. It, it almost seems like, to use a word that we've been used a couple times this episode, it, like it was shoehorned into yeah, the series. definitely. Like, it almost seems like it was like its own movie, and they saw it and went, this would make a good Paranormal Activity movie. Uh-huh. Let's throw in a bunch of references to Paranormal Activity, and then we'll slap that name on it, we'll make millions. Yeah. And it, it almost makes me wonder if, like, the original film, like, like if they never actually filmed the original story, because so much of the f- actual movie was wrapped around elements of the original series. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder if they had to rewrite it before they actually filmed it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, assuming that happened, that's all speculation at this point from, from us. Um, I saw something recently with one of the writers who was saying that they have an end game. They, they know where they want to take the series. Right. Yeah. But he said too. that they're worried they won't have enough movies to do it. <laughs> Which just terrifies me. Because I'm thinking Paranormal Activity 27. Right. You know? Yeah. They're like, nope, not there yet. <laughs> it's like, close, we're getting there. Um, so, yeah. um, I mean, without revealing anything about the ending, it, 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 you, you may have to watch it two or three times to get it. Yeah. I'll say that. Because if it weren't for the fact that I had to, you know, I went back and I read the plot and I discussed it with Taylor, if it weren't for the fact that I had those elements to go to, I'd probably still be questioning what the hell happened. Um, but it uh, it does have some surprises that I felt were mildly creative. Yeah. Um, and... I guess it being not part of the original series, it, uh, regardless of the ending, I guess it's obviously still open to sequels. Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of its own Like I said, I feel like it actually opened it up more so that they could take the Paranormal Activity universe really wherever they want now. Right. Yeah. And we will say this without, again, without spoiling things. We'll say that a lot of it does tend to focus around the element of time travel. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, I don't know. I think that's about all I have to say about this. Yeah. Um, I had, 
These are actual things I have in my notes. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm bored. <laughs> um, uh, why is he filming all this? Uh, and then... <laughs> can't say that because it'd be a spoiler, but right in the middle I just went, I guess? <laughs> and then the last part of my notes is, holy fuck, this movie is terrible. <laughs> so, I didn't like it. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I can remember, like, we were, when we were talking about, well, actually, you had already seen it, and you said, you might not want to waste your money on this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, shit, what fucking choice do I have? <laughs> um... So yeah, I I think I I think I'm also going to give this a four. Okay. Um, well, I'd say I say I liked it more than you did, obviously. Um, <clears throat> I'm actually kind of surprised that I gave it a four, considering I said, "Holy fuck, this movie is terrible." <sighs> but after after talking it out, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking four is a good. It's solid. That's where I'm at. Yeah. Um, I guess I have to take into consideration what I just gave Devil's Due. You know, where I put that as at a four. Mm-hmm. And Do you feel this is better or worse? I thought this was a little better. Okay. Um, and so, while I didn't love it, I did like better than that one. So, I think I'll probably just put it a hair above yours and give it a five. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us this episode. Thank you for joining us once again. Make sure to go to www.graveplotpodcast.com and, uh, you know, that you can find where to find us on the social networks and how to contact us if you want. You can leave us comments on the episodes or whatever else you want. And remember that uh, Listener's Choice nominations open on January 29th, so keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and um, if you do listen to us on Stitcher or iTunes, uh, please go over and, and give us uh, give us some reviews. Just give us a little feedback, and you know, rate us a little. You know, give us some ratings because uh, that does help us get noticed a little more. Yes, definitely, and make sure you subscribe as well. Yes. Um, aside from that, I think that's it. Yep. So uh, I guess we'll see you guys in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. Go Hawks.